Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Plague at the Golden Gate takes us back over 100 years before the COVID-19 pandemic shut down the world. Back to a time when an outbreak of bubonic plague in San Francisco's Chinatown in 1900 unleashed a wave of fear and anti-Asian sentiment. It was the first time in history that civilization's most feared disease, the infamous Black Death, had made it to America. The film again is called Plague at the Golden Gate, and we're joined today by the director, Li Xin Yu, as well as the producer, James Q. Chan. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having us. Great Thank to be you. here. This is a, a wonderful film on so many different levels. It's it's an in-depth look at what happened, and uh, which I appreciate. You not only give us the circumstances, but the history. There's There's a lot of background in this film. And a lot of focus on two or three very important people in the telling of the story, which I thought you really fleshed out. But once again, here I am, an American citizen who's been to the universities and I'm well-educated. I had no idea this happened, none whatsoever, that this is part of our history. Not that I can say that I don't, I didn't know about the racism, the, the you know, the xenophobia uh, uh, surrounding um, Asians, or particularly Chinese in America, but... Lee, what puts you onto this story? Well, actually, the story found me in a way. Uh, American Experience had optioned uh, a book by David K. Randall called Black Death at the Golden Gate. Sought me out through Stephen Gong and Donald Young of Center for Asian American Media. I really appreciate that they pushed me forward and they went through Stephen Gong and Donald Young to find an Asian American director. And um, I, I'm really grateful that they put my name forward and Cameo uh, from the get-go really supported this enormously creative team, James Chan included, supporting us to tell this story from the Asian American perspective. James, how did you get involved? I got involved um, from also Center for Asian American Media. They recommended um, me to Li Xin. Li Xin and I met um, and had a conversation December of 2020 and immediately got to work, put the team together, went into production last year, May of 2021. And so to complete a two hour documentary about the bubonic plague pandemic in the middle of an yes. ongoing pandemic while everything was shut down it was a challenge unto itself the incredible team that we kind of put together was led by creative asian american women talent we had lishan yu as the director we had susan kim as the writer we had Mickey Watanabe Milmore as the editor and our production executive, Yuri Chung in LA. So we were all spread out across like San Francisco, LA and New York, creating this film in one year, which is extraordinary. Well, in light of what you said, December of 2020, the election had just taken place, replacing a man who essentially tried to get 
political gain from his his racist references to the origins of COVID-19 that sort of at there well I guess what I'm trying to get to is so much of what happened in December moving forward of 2020 is such an echo of what happened in 1900 that I mean it's remarkable in terms of just the reaction to the possibility of the plague the the sort of inaction on the part of the health community, the health providing community. Nonetheless, the echoes are just remarkably prescient, aren't they, Lee? Very much so. I mean, uh, you know, as you were saying, I didn't know this history. And as I began to do the research, what immediately struck me is how resonant it is to our current times. It's a forgotten history that needs to be told. It reveals sort of the political, social, economic complexity and sort of always putting those, seemingly putting those things before public health. Yeah. Of course, you know, also the virulent racism that comes through. And, and I think so much of what you were just saying, you know, the, the language that we use is so important because the media narrative really informs the public, allows the public to understand how things are uh, happening around them. So when you speak in a way that is not A, scientific, or B, that really is telling the truth of the situation, it really blows up in a way. It, it, it really, in a way, uh, gives permission to people to act out their basis instinct exactly. in a time of fear of something that's unknown. Right. And we see that act out in 1900 across time, across different diseases, HIV, Ebola, you know, and now here, once again, sort of the, it comes full circle yeah. back and we see this backlash of Asian violence, which right. is just... Um, that in terms of like the common threads between what's the present day and 1900, we pulled focus on the scientific and public health aspects of the story. Right. In um, uh, against the backdrop of this medical murder mystery, uh, this the science uh, bomb that's about to explode. Right. Um, but we also like. The, the common threads is how attitudes and prejudices prolonged the discovery of a cure and how the cycle has played out repeatedly up through the present. And we have the advantage, sort of the forensic advantage of going back and pulling apart all the pieces. We can see now through the over time how it played out, going back to the very, very beginning of it. So it's it provides us with a context to understand all of the things that were going on at the time, as Lee was describing, but we have been repeating it. We didn't learn the lessons from 1900. We repeated them again 120 years later. But I, we have to talk a bit about, there are a couple of heroes in the film. Joseph Kenyon, who did a remarkable number of things in terms of not only the science of it, thankfully he was such a, a thirsty person for, for knowledge, but also put his own personal reputation on the line in the process of doing this and was determined. I don't want to reveal a whole lot mm -hmm. about the story and how it unfolds, but to the extent you want to talk about Joseph and, and the role that he plays. Joseph Kenyon is a already well-established 
well-regarded, brilliant scientist at the time, at 1900. He was a leading bacteriologist of the time, at the time when germ theory was just coming to be understood, not widely understood even except in the science community. So he he right away uh, understood that the bubonic plague is here. And he did the thorough scientific diagnosis to determine that. He is waving this red flag, you know, this can explode, we have to do something to contain it. But the political forces, the economic forces, uh, the, the media jumped on the bandwagon saying, oh no, no, you know, we, we, we have to deny this because San Francisco is this upcoming economic force on the West Coast. And we can't say we have bubonic plague because that will decimate us. So it's again, sort of putting all of these other issues ahead of public health. And there is at the time also this federal versus local state authority conflict that still exists today. I was gonna say, does that sound familiar? (laughs) Right, exactly. You know, here we're still talking about vaccination, masking, mandate, who has the authority to say so and implement it. And so, as we were saying earlier, all of these things delay the actual public health measures that need to take place. And, yeah, and um, if you look at the, the climate of 19th century San Francisco, health officials and politicians saw Chinatown pretty much as a laboratory of infectious diseases um, and urban sickness, crime, poverty, and contamination. And so mapping that throughout the history, whenever there's an unknown disease, there's always this immediate knee-jerk response to try to find a community to target and blame. You look at that from smallpox, bubonic plague, HIV, COVID, right? Throughout history, it always circles back. And it's always the other. And it's always the and other. Always the other. So, so that that's that's so important here. Racism is a, such a huge part of this story. And the fact that the initial explanation for who was getting it had to do with them eating rice. Was that was wasn't that what the, the sort of that was considered the right. commonality of it? There is certainly at this time science was breaking through, right? but it's not. And there is, I, I think, some degree of medical hubris because something, you know, we're able to understand something that you cannot see cause health damages. But, you know, it's not well understood. There's, you know, there's still this medieval idea that it's caused by miasma, bad air, and, you know, Asians who eat rice, not a robust protein diet like if they eat meat westerners right that therefore they are protein eaters are immune to it right rice eater are the weaker race and therefore you know are the carriers i mean it's it's just crazy you know from our modern understanding right and these thoughts and and these (laughs) these ignorance and deep distrust of not only federal authority but science itself came from like surgeon generals who were putting this information out there about that, like, you know, oh, it only affects Asiatics. It only affects uh, rice eaters. 
just to be fair, uh, there was one person who was holding his hand up and saying, right. I'm doing research. I'm beginning to understand this. And so at least he was a man of science who was in a position to be able to affect the progression and the outcome. So fortunately, but again, it comes down to sort of the marketplace was dictating how this was going to unfold. You know, the government, as you said, San Francisco is considered to be the Paris of, of the of, of Western United States, an up and coming place. There was so much commerce involved. So and these things began to weigh in. Plus, the racism, the Chinese Exclusion Act had, had been voted in about what, about 15 or 16 years earlier, back in the 1880s. So there, there was a, there was just this kind of cauldron of of nonsense, racism, I- ignorance going on. Fortunately, there was Joseph. Right. I mean, absolutely. It's the environment was all against the the scientific truth that he right. was trying to right. raise the flag right. to say it is here. It is something we need to confront and deal with. But the forces around him just did not want to hear it. He brought the science aspect to it, and it didn't stick in the populace. You can have all the facts that you want, but if you didn't have a way to connect the community with those facts, then it doesn't work. So as you can see, he did come in and followed, like he's a brilliant mind and brilliant scientist, but he didn't have the people skills to work with the community that it was uh, affecting. And so if you're looking at uh, the characters at play, Kenyon, uh, Rupert Blue, who came in after him after Kenyon was thrown under the bus. And then Blue worked with the Chinatown community. That was when he was able to get, have things stick and land. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to mention Rupert Blue, who became the head of the MHS Medical Hospital Service. Marine Hospital Service. Marine Hospital Service, which was in some way the public health agency that was in charge of dealing with this. There's so much more here. The idea of bubonic plague in America, that's a headline, right? For I think if you're talking to people about, oh, by the way, did you know that we came within this close of uh, essentially being devastated by one of the most deadly plagues in the history of mankind, but we didn't somehow. There's so many things in history where you look back on them, you think, wow, that really could have gone sideways. I mean, it really could have been something much more devastating. And sometimes almost because on happenstance, it doesn't happen that way. I mean, it just, and this is certainly an example. And I love the depth that you go into in this. I really think that you really laid out, especially at the beginning, you lay the groundwork for for the story to be told. Um, I I, want to let people know, Plague at the Golden Gate will be screening on May 24th, coming right up May 24th on American Experience. You can find out more by going to pbs.org or just go to the get the PBS video app and download that and you'll be able to stay abreast of all of the things that are happening on PBS, which include POV, independent lens, uh, what am I leaving out? There's so many great front line. There's so many great documentary films being made and produced on PBS. It's pretty darn remarkable American experience as well. The lessons learned here now that we are sort of in what I would hopefully late stages of the COVID uh, pandemic here in the United States, Lee, anything to sort of either to draw a line from 
from from this experience or moving forward, how should we be better at, at dealing with these kinds of things? Right. I mean, I think it's, you know, when you understand the common mistakes that we as a society continue to make across time, you know, confronting the fears and the unknowns during a crisis, how we always have this knee-jerk response of needing to point to someone, needing to blame someone, right. because we just don't understand. Um, and so, so often that is a, a political act. When you begin to understand how uh, sort of systemically things happen, I think in some way it can give you strength for the moment to go, what is this craziness that's going around, but, but that it's always rooted in something. And when you understand the root, then you can better understand how to fight it or how to fight even, you know, we all have biases and misconceptions. How do we uh, come to understand that and unlearn it and reach out across communities and, and create trust and bring out our humanity? And I, I think, you know, if we can, with each of these films, as you say, that public television produces, we can begin to kind of understand that and protect our humanity. That would be amazing. James, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, on the, on the macro lens perspective, right? When institutions that are set up to help and serve the people fail us, it is the community that, that comes together and, and the community are the ones who create safety and security for one another. And you'll see that in the resilience of San Francisco Chinatown during the 1900 in this film. Yeah. And there is there were lessons learned. Go, you mentioned, you know, the different uh, pandemics, the one of 1919, 1918, when that avian flu blew through America, several million people died. We are just past the one million de uh, death toll of one million people here in the United States. Going back to AIDS, how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people died then. But some of the lessons learned, Lee, in some way, what you're referring to is, I think, it's been my sort of as understanding is the AIDS crisis was maybe the first time, certainly in the United States, where the community being affected had the ability and the desire to organize in a political way to affect the outcome of the research that was being done, moving that forward in a way that had never been done in that kind of patient doctor relationship. The, the caregiver relationship to the people who are affected by uh, scourges. Um, and so I think moving forward, we are being more proactive. There has been more activity around trying to do the right thing to, if it had not been for a myopic, self-serving president, I think we would have gotten a handle on this much, much sooner and much more effectively. So lessons learned, but the, the initial lesson, certainly the first one I'm aware of in the United States on a massive, potentially massive scale is 1900 San Francisco bubonic plague and the people who affected and the people who kept it from being something truly horrific beyond what it already was. So I want to thank both of you. This has been a great, great film, really, really wonderfully done. The film, again, is Plague at the Golden Gate, and we've been talking with the director, Lee Shen Yu, as well as the producer, James Q. Chan. To both of you, thank you so very much. Thank you, Mike. For having us.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.